Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Brienne and Book Jamie, not this sad sack, <laughs> pale pretender, limp and lame Larry Lannister from the show. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth hyphen posts on Tumblr, joined with Eon. Hi, this is Eon. I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. Kama. Hi, um, this is Kama, and I'm at Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. Guile. Hi, this is Guile. I'm Guile and Subterfuge on Tumblr. And we're joined with Dramas. Hi, I'm Dramas, and I am I Heart Dramas all in one word on Tumblr. Welcome back, lady. Hello. Okay, um, so you're joining us for our watch and review of Game of Thrones, The Queen's Justice. Lucky us. Lucky all of us. <laughs> Lucky you, drama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, such a disappointment. You know yeah. who's the winner here? Well, she's not really here, is Chicky. She's yeah. just a non-tumbler. Well, she's been the winner There's... since, what, <laughs> two weeks ago? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so anyway, spoilers. Got to give the spoiler warnings for the books and the show. And I also want to give another plug to the bingo cards. We already had a bingo come in. Um, and of course, the well-oiled machine we are, we hadn't quite figured out what a bingo would entail. <laughs> um, so I think we're going to go with full card. Um, so you can keep playing those cumulatively until the end of the season to fill up a whole card. Um, however, um, our winner was Corey, correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Corey, um, because she submitted a full line, we're going to give her a prize that I think we're going to try to fulfill for the next episode. Correct? Yeah. I, I think we, we decided that it would be too depressing for her if we did it today <laughs> when we're all kind of sad. Yeah. Um, so hopefully next episode. I don't know if I'm sad. Are we all sad? Is that what we're is angry? That the tempo, it the just mood? seemed like a negative swell of emotions that <laughs> really it's like she deserves a, a better like frame for it, which I don't know if she's going to get that with the rest of the season, but you know, we'll, we'll try. <laughs> I think I'm numb at this point. I was like <laughs> sad. Then I was angry. Then I just went numb. I have no feelings. <laughs> I've been numb for like three seasons, but you know. <laughs> anyway, cheers to that. Okay, let's start. <laughs> well, should I read a comment first from sure. Open yes. Mouth Wide Eye? Sure. Yeah, she says, I would like to thank you in advance for your saltiness about this ep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming that is coming off of Tumblr and Twitter. Right. <laughs> Tumblr. We kind of broke podcast protocol. We're, we're not supposed to talk about the episode before we record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, this was the first time. <laughs> this was the worst time. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start the episode with John and Tyrion um, reunited at the beach at Dragonstone. Davos is introduced, as is Miss Sandy. Their weapons are taken from them before they are taken to see Daenerys. Um, and I guess we got our unconsummated question answered from last week when Tyrion confirms he has no claim to Sansa because it was. Yeah, you say it often enough and they think you're going to like buy it. It's still a bullshit lazy ass thing that those stupid writers did made up rule that was convenient for them right you know don't care (laughs) (laughs) genuinely that's just fine you know there's certain things like yeah john and davos shouldn't be there in in one episode don't care (laughs) you know yeah they should still be married also don't care (laughs) there was a lot of magic time moving stuff going on Yeah. yeah Thank you. You know, don't care. (laughs) Yeah. Did they have Davos actually flirting with Masande in that scene? I think he was just trying to make small talk, and she was kind of being bitchy for some reason. (laughs) I got the impression he was just being nice. You know, he's probably traveled there, you know. A commonality, like like polite chit chat. I mean, what else do you talk about? Like, they just took all your weapons and you could be killed. Mm -hmm. He's just trying to be like, you know, make it into a more social thing. I don't think he was trying to hit on her. No, and I assume that he's traveled to Nath, you know, in his, you know, in his smuggling over the years. So it's probably like, oh, yeah, you know, beautiful island, love your home. Like, he's just trying to be like a normal human being. Yeah, he's just trying to to chat up a co-worker and it's going really awkwardly. Right. So that's why he says this place has changed. (laughs) Although I can't imagine with Stannis and Crowd and their plot small talk. (laughs) <laughs> oh, we should also know this is also a scene where John and Davos get their first glimpse of the dragons. I can help but think it reminded me of like um I don't know, like Star Trek when they you see like those outtakes where they're practicing, like the the, <laughs> the starship is swerving, you need to duck, everybody fall over. <laughs> I I get I couldn't I couldn't get into the moment. <laughs> John and Davos are doing their best, Captain Kirk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, she was kind of weird, wasn't she? I mean, it was very, like, I normally, I really like Masandi, but it was sort of like, hi, I'm your flight attendant, and we don't want you to move from this seat, even though you're going to be on this plane for eight hours. So sit there, and I'm just being pleasant, but I'm going to put you in irons if you don't. I mean, it was just very... <laughs> yeah, she was definitely the protocol hostess. It was like her whole job was, yeah, she was like the little hosting robot. She was the data, if we're going to go, like, full-on Star Trek <laughs> AU here. And then the Dothraki would be, like, Worf, which I was kind of a little bit upset for them that everyone else was, like, wearing furs and sleeves, and they're, like, in, you know, they're in, like, shirtless. They're basically, like, people in Wisconsin when it's 20 yeah. degrees in January. We're like, shorts weather! To quote you, Guile, don't care. <laughs> <laughs> we all have our so from above on the cliffs, Missandei and Varys look. Um, sorry, Melisandre and Varys look on. She's ready to leave Westeros, and Varys taunts her a bit. She admits um, she's made terrible mistakes. He tells her not to return, and she says that she will die here, as will he. So I'm like, whoa! Is this this seems like a, I don't know, like an egg. A, there's some relevancy to this. Was she laying down some foresight? Don't care. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I do not care. 
there's you know there is some foreshadowing still if the show remembers in their in the own show continuity that she'll meet Arya again. So um, I assume yeah. that you know she'll be back next season. Mm-hmm. But we we all don't care about Varys's impending. Well, and death. I don't know why Varys was all like, "You're gonna die here," and he's like, "Well, like he is there." <laughs> He'd be like, if someone was like, "You're <laughs> gonna die in America," I'd be like, "Well, yeah, most likely." <laughs> would you well, not I mean, be? Would, he lives there. He's lived there for most he, of his adult there. life. It's saying, not... You're gonna die here where you live. <laughs> like, ooh, that's super ominous. Well, if you were Varys, would you not be like booking your first ticket to Essos at that point? <laughs> prophecy i you know we he's not exactly been real mystical has he am i missing something so i mean it's sort of like if a random person came up to you that you really don't know and you know like a fortune teller or whatever and said you're gonna die here again as guile said you are from there so well i think they kind of established he got spooked by the last priestess he had an exchange with right yeah but i mean he doesn't know this chick and i mean that guy was some random sorcerer who bought him i mean i don't know i don't remember the um the red priestess in marine was gonna tell him what the um people that took his dick like what the words were or something oh yeah maybe i don't know i still don't give a shit about these people I haven't really cared about her since she, you know, helped burn Shireen alive, and I've never I, really like. I, so. I, I kind of yeah. dig Melisandre. I don't. I I think she's interesting. Me too. Yeah. Ferris. I like the idea of you know a fallible priestess who you know from her perspective, she is trying to do what she thinks will save the world. I mean, one hundred percent. She's not doing anything for any other reason. Well, and they're both. It's an. It was. I thought a well-acted scene. They're both excellent actors. It's just, with everything else that happened, it's sort of like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> she's she's full-on salty. Okay. So uh, we're going to go to the throne room at Dragonstone, and Miss Sandy gives a lengthy intro of Queen da- Daenerys, and Davos, not so much for John. She asks him if he's there to bend the knee. He's like, nope. She tells him he's breaking faith with House Targaryen, and he reminds her that his grandfather and uncle um, were burned alive. Danny calls her dad evil and apologizes. She asks him to bend the knee again. He tells her he she can't be blamed for her ancestors' crimes, and he isn't beholden to the vows of his. He tells her he needs to help, and he needs her help, and she needs his. Danny kind of scoffs at that. Davos adds. Not to defeat Cersei, she could do that easily. John tells her she cares about the people, which makes her better than Cersei. John tells her they are all children playing a game. The dead are real, and they're the the real enemy. The White Walkers and the Night's King. Danny dismisses all of this and instead recounts how Robert tried to assassinate her and gives a brief autobiography of herself. <laughs> Danny believes in Danny. She's done. She's done some amazing shit, you know, and uh, she will rule everything. John tells her she'll be ruling over a graveyard. I saw this elsewhere, so it's not my original thought, although I think I did have it in the <laughs> middle of, of the scene is, you know, maybe you give some sort of account of what's going on. You don't just say the dead are coming and you talk about some 
like mystical figure that nobody's ever heard of before. Some description might be good, John. I don't know. I'm just saying, if you're going to try to get people on board, you should maybe explain what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. I was, um, during the exchange, I was like, what about Rob? Cause she goes, the last king in the north. And I'm like, no. Oh, yeah. The last king in the north was Rob. Like, did everybody forget about him? I did. I think the writers <laughs> did. I did. <laughs> I think the answer to that is D and D did. Yeah. I, you know, I'm just going to say, because I think there's going to be enough on the opposite side later, I actually really liked the scene. I think, Kama, you have a good point about, you know, John should have brought some more witnesses from Hardhome, for example. That would have been a good move. Or potentially even someone from the Night's Watch that would be, like, a legitimate neutral party that could witness it. Like, mm. you know, Ed, for example. Bring him on down. I'm sure he'd love oh, to get a lot of, yeah, a a lot of Castle gold. Black. But, so, um, well, I, I, I actually like Amelia. Yeah, I liked Amelia's acting because they they gave her an emotion. They wrote her an emotion other than like icy, yeah, or imperious. Like they actually kind of how gave her something. I don't feel like she it was anything but those things, right? Really? I actually agree with Lloyd. I mean, she felt she came off as aggressive towards a potential yeah. ally. Aggressive, but I think aggressive is something that she hasn't necessarily well, been given before. What about she pushing can't... fire onto all those Dothraki men? That was pretty aggressive. <laughs> yes. I, I guess my problem is, is I'm not sure what we're supposed to be reading off of her. Because, okay, I liked actually, I liked the scene. I thought it was pretty good. I, I Again, I want it to be better. Forgive me, but that's kind of what I like. But I thought it was fairly good. My problem is with her because I never know. Okay, is are we supposed to look at her and go, okay, she's really relying on these these stupid titles. How many times do we have to listen to them? Oh, um, see, I, I, love, that I actually love hearing the titles. Yeah, but I, I love like the unburned. I don't know. We, I always like we've heard it that one. before, and it's never been presented in a new way where it'd be like you know, like it would be great if it be the medieval equivalent of. You know, we cut back to Masandi. She's saying yet another one. You cut back to Davos and John going, is this ever going to end? Like looking at the yeah. law. It, it felt like they were both the cheerleaders for their prospective rulers. Yeah, so. it was pretty cool. But I didn't. Is she are we supposed to see her and go? She's competent. Are we supposed to see and go? She's in over her head. I, I never know with her because she just that actress just does not have it. Hmm. But otherwise, I thought it was good. I mean, I like the set is really cool. I like what they've done. That throne room is amazing. Yeah, I mean, the set's nice. I just I think for me, it's because I'm so uninterested in both of these characters. I'm probably super biased to, to be against it. I just I feel like this is like their jizzy scene where like, yes, finally, we get to have Danny and John interact. And I just I did not. I'm, yeah, I'm over I didn't it feel any chemistry begins. between them either. Maybe no. it's just too early. No, they're just both pretty mannequins. Yeah, there's nothing there. Yeah. But that's my that's my thing. And I know I True. I know I'm alone <laughs> on some of that. True, but <laughs> not about Tumblr the chemistry. The Tumblr shippers will have enough for all the gift sets in the world now though. They're real happy. Oh, wonderful for cute. them. <laughs> well, <laughs> well I, I'm trying not to be completely bitter about you know my <laughs> other ships. 
So I'm well, going like, to try and be happy for others. Fine. Well, like there's, there's, <laughs> we'll get to it, but I mean, there are a couple people I know who've totally turned out, but they saw the, the map paintings of those castles. We'll talk. And they were like, they haven't watched the show in like three years, but they saw those and they're like, I don't care. I don't care if it's not what I envisioned. At least I got it. You know, you got to be happy for somebody. I guess. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Um, so once again, um, they're trying to convince John to bend the knee. Um, Tyrion is, to be specific, and John isn't having it. Danny tells him by declaring himself king of the north, he's in open rebellion. And then Varys comes in and interrupts. Danny dismisses John and Davos. John asks if he's her prisoner, and she replies, "Not yet." Varys gives Danny news of their losses at sea. And that's, that'll be it. And then we go into a Theon scene. Um, he's hoisted out of the water and he tells the Ironborn that Yara was taken and that he tried to save her, but they just don't believe him. Any Based comments? Based on literally absolutely nothing. Oh, if you tried to save her, you would have. Well, fuck you. No, that's not actually 100% true. Stupid Iron Islanders. Yeah, the Iron... <laughs> The Ironborn are like the rednecks of Restoros. They're yeah. not going to have yeah. any sort of respect for Theon at all. Yeah, now. but I mean, if you go look back on it, um, didn't she kind of do the same thing to Theon when yeah. he was a, ca- a captive of Ramsay? Yeah, she ch- she turned tail too. But there were dogs, scary ones. There were dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, she also left him at Winterfell when you know. When he was, you know, before Ramsey got him. I just, I, I don't think the iron, like, yeah, the ironborn are the West, the rednecks of Westeros. I mean, I think that's perfect. Yeah. And I think that's exactly correct. They're not real rational. I don't know. And anyway, it was a small little segment, just to touch base with where Theon's at. So we're going to go to King's Landing now, and uh, somehow they've managed to scrounge up a healthy number of Cersei supporters for the scene. <laughs> they cheer and throw garbage at Yara, Laria, and Tyene as they are paraded through the streets by Euron. He's met with applause as he brings them into the throne room, and he presents Laria and Tyene to Cersei, as, and he says, justice. It's basically justice for Miss Marcella. Cersei calls him a true friend, and he shall be a rewarded with what he wants after the war is won. Cersei, um, uh, say, oh, with Euron leading the Navy and Jamie the army, they will defend their country. And then there's more applause. The people are loving it. And then Euron turns to Jamie and, you know, he's like, isn't it great? The love of the people. Oh, I suppose you wouldn't know. Jamie tells Ouch. him, Jamie tells him if he crosses them, they cheer for his head on a spike. Euron then replies, or yours. They just like severed heads, really. Euron then asks for sexual pointers where Cersei is concerned. Oh, boy. And we get the finger in the bum line, which we know pays yep. off later. Yay. <laughs> I kind of wish he would just take all his eyeliner and get the hell off my screen, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I well, read a tweet that I thought was hilarious where someone was saying, you know, King's Landing really needs, you know, it obviously needs a more robust arts program so that people don't just turn out for every parade of captives. Like, they clearly need, like, something more engaging. <laughs> um, I mean, well, I mean, if Euron really wanted to know the answer to that question... Jamie would be the person to ask, though. Ah, uh, sure. 
Poor <laughs> Lance. So, oh wait, know. he's dead. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyway, of note, um, Tyene and Ilaria are left in the throne room, and Yara is marched away. I'm not sure why. Yeah, here's the thing. You know, I, I realize we can't like see each other, except you know, most of us can't see each other right now, but. Does anyone feel sorry for Ilaria and Tyene at this point? I'm like, fuck you, you freaking murderous little bitches. I'm happy. I love Indira Varma. I haven't liked her very much. I haven't really liked her character. But I actually thought with them pretty much mute. And they actually, I think, sold the scene for me. I didn't entirely care again. Sorry, just don't care anymore. (laughs) Um, But I thought it worked as well as it did because of them and less about, I don't know, zombie Cersei and her really, really tacky dress. I, you know. Okay. So I think, I I think we should. I just had a question. Yeah. All right. So I was looking at it and so obviously Ilaria and Tyene are Cersei's captive. So I guess that means that Yara is, is Euron's like he captured her for himself. Yep. Oh, no. Uh, okay. Yeah. Expect fun. All right. So let's go to the dungeon scene. Um, uh, Cersei taunts Ilaria about Oberyn's death, then tells her about Marcella, um as an infant. She asks why she took her, then turns her attention to Tyene. Ilaria tries to speak through her gag, and Cersei confesses she spends sleepless nights thinking about how to kill her enemies. She then plants a big kiss on Tyene. And a horrified realization dawns on mother and daughter. In it's the same poison that was used on Marcella. Cersei commends Kyburn on figuring that out. She asks how long, hours, days, maybe. He replies. Cersei tells Ilaria she'd be there to she'll be there to watch her die, and rot. I would imagine that they've built up a, a tolerance to poison, so it'd probably take a while that's what I thought. for that poison. I had yeah. that morbid thought, too. So that's awful. God, that is some stone-cold shit right there. I also, I, this, Cersei is this mother crap. You keep, yeah, again, keep telling me the same line. Yeah. First of all, real Cersei, no. Mm. Second of all, I'm sick and tired of hearing how she nursed her kids. She said that with each of them. I don't give a shit. I mean, she showed no love to them while they were alive. We're supposed to believe it now? Well, they were traitors. (laughs) (laughs) I think, um, like, as horrible as this scene is, and I hope this is where they leave it. I hope this is it. We don't see any more of this scene. Because I think if, if that's the case and this is it, it's really well done, and you're left to your the horridness of what's in your imagination, right? That's like f- really creepy and good. Yeah. I do not yeah. need to see any more beyond this point. It's um, yeah. Mm-hmm. If, what if they get raised up as poison whites and go after her? <laughs> How that would be? They're still chained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but don't the whites kind of have super strength? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we should capture one. (laughs) (laughs) Like Operation Nab of White? Yeah. Weekend at Bernie's. Coming coming to a show near you. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Well acted, too. Like, I know, like like you were saying. Yeah. uh, I mean, they're good. I mean, frankly, I think the Sand Snakes are not bad actresses. They were really handicapped by a terrible storyline and... 
you know, a terribly choreographed scene and tried to, and were written as like one note badasses when that, you know, yeah. super so tired. The worst yeah, dialogue. Such, and there's such a tired, such a tired storyline, such, such yeah. tired characterizations. And, you know, they're not bad actresses. They no. are not done no. well, you know? I mean, I was thinking that this scene with them in the dungeon, I would say would probably be the closest to book Ilaria we we've gotten in the yeah. TV show because you know in the book she she really is a caring mother. Um, she puts her children's safety above this whole revenge stuff. Um, so the emotion, I was like, okay, but it's kind of sad because it's like you finally get because I really like book Ilaria, so mm-hmm. I was very excited. For that they were actually going to bring her into the show, and then I saw what they did, and then I was just like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> and <laughs> you she's fucking ruined it. You might, you should have just. I was like, I should have not just never wished that they they brought her on because. And it's a shame because uh, Indira Varma is is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I fell in love with her after seeing her in Rome, which yeah. it, she was amazing in that thing, and the the range she had was just phenomenal and she's been in a bunch of other really good stuff and that this is what they gave her to do is very one note and really not i mean it was not using her to her full talents yeah well her talent shone through in this scene though because she Mm -hmm. had everything working against her but you felt you really felt her um every note she was trying to play with just the expression in her face oh yeah I think she totally, I think she and the other one really did make it work. I'm headcanoning though, because she had, Elia Sand was actually mentioned on the show. So I am headcanoning that she is now the ruler of Dorne. She's not dead. She's been mentioned. So she exists in the context of the show. I'm going with that. They have a mischievous, like 17 year old in charge there (laughs) that we'll never see, but you know, she's just going to be happy. That is actually, like, I, w- I had that thought. Like, you have all these, like, gr- great houses that are, have been taken out in this episode. And, you know, I guess we've seen yeah. a lot of empty castles. <laughs> like, is that the case? Like, Yeah, I mean, well, it, you know, if only Willis and Garland would have showed up with Elena at the end of the episode to kill Jamie. Like, <laughs> 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 All right, let's move on. Um, so... This is a good fun seat. <laughs> so all that torture has Cersei horned up. She enters her rooms to find a handless Jamie who attempts to put it back on. She stops him and kisses him and he says no. She keeps kissing him and then she drops to her knees and gives him a blowy and I believe inserts her finger up his ass. Or was that just me? <laughs> I was trying not to look that closely. <laughs> That's what happened though, right? Like... <laughs> didn't look that closely. That's what I think they were insinuating because of the whole finger up the ass from the like scene with Euron. That's where my mind went. Yeah. Poor Nikolai. You get this fucking script. <laughs> I'm never like, I I can't even imagine what he wanted to say to them. Like, I'm sure he thought it was a joke. What that would be your first thought with this scene is, oh, this is your gag. Because, you know, they'll gag people. This right. is the gag script. 
<laughs> he must have really pissed them off at some point. Like what they have well, they done. Constantly emasculate the character. Like I, is it they're intimidated by his attractiveness? I I I, I don't think it's that personal. I think it they, seems really they, personal. To like like personal just, against me. <laughs> We're taking this quite personally. <laughs> I'm really taking it personally. Like, what did I mean? I know I've tweeted some cruel things, but I can't imagine that you know. Read I them. think it's just. I think that it, I think it's a lot simpler than that. I think they never write any of this stuff as deeply, or even not even deeply, just read it to the level that most people would read a book. I don't think they did that. It's all surface. I think they immediately figured out the stuff they wanted to shoot when this is a good visual idea. This guy pushed his his brother or the little kid out the window. I think they've decided then and there he was a monster and they've never really. Yeah. And I think it's all now they've gotten a lot of criticism for what they've done. And now they've got a mouthy actor or who they think right. is mouthy going, what the hell? And they told him to shut up. Yeah, and they just doubled down in, into Larryville and oh, basically like, fuck than, you. There's more than just a fuck you to Larry here. I mean, that no at the start of the scene. Yes. That was a fuck you to every single person that called them out for writing a yes. rape scene. Yep. They claimed yeah. wasn't. I mean, that was nothing more than a fuck you to us at that yeah. point. And, you know, it's like, I have often felt like the criticism of them is overly personal and I'm not comfortable with that, but <laughs> that shit, fuck you. Like you are, you know, fuck you use all the money that you're getting to buy a thicker skin because that's like <laughs> Donald Trump territory of petty right there. Yep. Beautifully said. I don't think I could have said that any better. <sighs> so in the morning, Jamie's all smiles and he's so happy to be back in her bed. When there is a knock at the door, he tells her not to answer it. She's queen now and she'll do what she wants. Her servant takes a look at Jamie, then announces her guest from Bravos has arrived. Cersei tells her they need fresh sheets. Jamie smiles. It's all he's ever wanted. It's all we've ever wanted. Like at this point, they've taken our table sex and they've given the, you know, like, Oh, they're sleeping with his single hand between her hands when they wake up. Like this kind of intimacy that, um, you know, I think we expected that he probably, you know, typically would not have gotten with her because of their situation. And, you know, they're showing that like seven seasons in the fucking show. And that's what they show. Why? Yeah. What is the purpose? It's never been like that. Right. Right. So what's the purpose of the scene? What's what's the reason that it's there? I mean, there is only one reason, in my opinion, but I'd like to hear other thoughts. I think they're trying to reiterate this unbelievable narrative that he's in love. And like the fact that they have to write it several times already. Oh, you're you love her. You're in love with her. And then show us this crap. They're hoping if they keep displaying this that will somehow believe it and i'm not i'm not swallowing any of it i think we they i think they will separate i think that's coming and i think they're doing it to sort of like shock us when he finally leaves and it's like yeah i i i will one positive thing 
I gotta say is I I did like how the servant had um an identical haircut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, although that was great. Yeah, that all the had... stuff on um keeping up with the Trek theme, the Romulan yeah. haircut. Did you see all of those things? <laughs> but did you see that the actress has, has consistently played the role of her handmaiden and that she had like hair? She had dark hair like Cersei's before, and now oh, she's yeah. got the pixie cut, which I think actually is kind of brilliant. Like. <laughs> I enjoy like that's the thing like if you she wore it better if though. you respect your con if you respect the continuity of the of the show and you remember those things like the fans love that shit like we love hot pie and how difficult is is it for them to put him in a scene like how difficult is it to do something fun like this that oh it's the same servant and she has you know the hair like how difficult would it have been to have um you know, Cheese Boy at High Garden. Getting like, yeah. slaughtered oh, by no. Lannister soldiers. No. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. <laughs> Leave Cheese Boy alone. But, you know, like these simple things that we, appre- you know, we appreciate. Like, I mean, I know we bitch, like, all the time, but I feel like we're not, like, asking for that much. We're asking to kind of have the, in- to have the, the material respected. Yeah. And we're pretty easy to please. Yeah. And they just, every time there's an iconic line, they have to change it. Every time there's just one thing that would have made so many people thrilled, they have to change it. It's this insistence that they own it, they own it, they own it, and fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And I think I've kind of, I think I was here, like, in season four. I mean, I did not like this episode at all. I hated it even more on rewatch, but... I reached this point with Stannis and Sansa. I mean, and Shireen. I was like, every time they can say, fuck you, they do it. So I actually, like, I never take notes, obviously. Easy to tell. But I actually made, like, a couple a couple notes on, on this episode. And it, it kind of, I think we're kind of at a point where it makes sense. Um, and it kind of gets into something that you were talking about earlier, comma, and, I, you know, I think you're right. Like, I think that D&D think that this is a story about who's going to get the Iron Throne and then, you know, how everyone's going to defeat the supernatural power. And, I mean, it is about that, but there's this whole other part of the story that I think that they miss. And, you know, it goes back to, you know, I personally make fun of Ned Stark a lot. Like, he's, you know, stupid. And I think the way that they portray it on the show is that he, you know, he was too honorable. And... But that's it, not it, you know, it's yeah. because he thought society played by those rules and, and Rob, you know, kind of did the same the same thing. But I think what they miss is that there's this ongoing narrative throughout the books that it's not just about winning. It's actually how you play the game. And I feel like D&D want to write for the characters that are about winning the Iron Throne or winning the war against the others. So it's, you know, John, Danny, Tyrion, Cersei and Sansa to a lesser extent. But there's this whole other group of characters like Davos and Jamie and Brienne and Asha and, you know, really even Gendry. And those are the stories that are exploring the question of, you know, what kind of world should we live in? Like, right. what kind of world is worth saving? And it's funny because, you know, they include like these famous lines that are about exploring that idea. So, you know, like, what is the life of one boy against a kingdom or you know, explain to me why it's more noble to kill 10,000 men in battle than a dozen. Or even like the, you know, Rhaegar fought valiantly and, and Rhaegar died. died. And I think that they think the answer is that none of these things do matter. It's all about, you know, the others or the throne. And 
so they shunt these characters and their stories to the side, and they're just supporting characters in a war story instead of the main characters in this far richer story that George wrote. And, you know, Jamie and Brienne, they're a side story in this war story, and they're like this distraction, which is why I think right. they play them for shock value. And this quest for, you know, what is what is honor? Like, what is the kind of life and the kind of world that we should have? It's just not something that I think they're interested in in exploring at all. And it's what, you know, unfortunately, the characters that I find the most interesting, that, that kind of is their part of the story. Right. Well, it's the, the ones who have these, you see the human decency in certain ones and the ones who are trying to be like Davos, I know gets yeah. a lot of people think he's boring, but no. I think he's the common man. I think he's, he's supposed to be this. I mean, and the fact that he is for, for Stannis, I mean, he is like, well, he's, he's a common good man is. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and what and the is. show sort of essentially turned him into John Squire. I mean, for basically, and there's no motivation for that. Like, like why Davos suddenly just switched what he's doing and moved on. It's like they do these things without there's they're not character driven yeah. plots. And, and that's like, um, a problem. Like with Davos, I was also thinking that with Davos, then his counterpart would probably be Bronn. Who also came from a commoner, but he kind of took it. The opposite direction. He's a self-involved yeah. man. Yeah, self-involved. <laughs> Self-interest. Willing to kill for, you know, for his, uh, you know, advancement. Yeah. yeah. Nuance. And, and he had no problem, you know, kicking Tyrion to the side. Meanwhile, Davos stayed loyal to the end. <sighs> well, and like what, you know, what kind of a world would it be if we lived on bronze principles? You know, what kind of world would right. we have if we lived by Davos's principles or, you know, what Jamie is discovering about himself or, or Brienne or, you know, what kind of world is worth saving is the kind of world that Cersei, I mean, I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but, you know, is the kind of world that Cersei would bring about, is that a world worth saving? And I don't think they even question that. No, I don't think they do. Dragons, boobs, pew pew. <laughs> I, I really think they, they read what they Finger read bum. and they like the visual, they like the shock. They're filmmakers, I get it. But I don't I think there have been signs all along. Not so like the first season I thought was excellent. Second season I think there have been signs all along that they do not understand the source material. And when they had to stray into their own, uh, I don't think they had to. Land. I think they wanted to. They, they, they had a lot of the groundwork done for them in the beginning, and it was it made a lot of sense. Yeah. And once they went off into their like the pacing, can we talk about the oh. pacing of this episode? What the oh, fuck? It's insane. Yeah. I felt like I and had whiplash. <laughs> did they? I mean, I honestly question: Did they actually read a feast for crows? No, I don't, I don't think, think so. that they did. I've maintained for quite a while. I think they read the first book. I think they may have even read surface read the second. Maybe part of the, I think they read part of the third or liked, but I don't think it was very deep reading. And I'm pretty sure, in fact, I would bet money that they had interns 
tell them four and five. And I'm going to bet the interns didn't even read the books. I bet you they went on a uh, Song of Ice and Fire wiki and read some of I think it was Ash that had a that posted a fairly a, Ash who's who's been a guest from from time to time here had a fairly long thread on Twitter kind of outlining you know what we could have had with you know even if you wanted to position Jamie Brand and Cersei as a triangle like the richness of that yeah. the richness and like non conventionality of of that triangle and some yeah. of you know the great scenes that you would have had and. I mean, Cersei throwing shit at Jamie. I mean, that's and like Jamie is all of his, you know, sweet sister. Like just the sarcasm that he has and the anger that she has. You know, the scene of her burning the Tower of the Hand and you know how yeah. horrified he is and, and seeing those you know, two Brienne, actors play that part right. out. You know, a deteriorating, yeah, right. fiery and, you know, end of a relationship. And Brienne, in the meantime, you know, they've never given her. You know, they haven't, again, like, because it doesn't, because in their world, it doesn't matter that Brienne makes a choice to face certain death to save a group of orphans. Like, that choice, that life choice does not matter in, because it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter to them that a person is willing to do that or that a person is willing to, like, sacrifice themselves for the greater good like that. It just, I mean, it just literally doesn't even matter to them. So, like, her great moment, her, you know, no chance and, you know, no choice and no chance. Like, there's never, you know, there's never going to be an interpretation of that because I, I just think that doesn't matter to them unless it's about her and another character. There's no point in giving her something that's just unique to her character to grow her character. Yeah. Oh, I'll forever be bitter about the, the way that that was taken from her. It seems no. like in the beginning of season two, though, I mean, they showed Xerxes with Lancel, and it looked like they were planning on going the way of the books with Jamie and Xerxes. Yeah. But then by season four, that all it took a left turn and I mean, went their even way. They the went to Dorne season, is what happened. Dorne. I mean, even the end of season six, I mean, Nikolai certainly thought that the look that he was giving her was a what the fuck, you crazy fucking mass murderer. Yep. You the know, fact that the actor change <laughs> it doesn't, I mean, that I think we've said, we talked about this before. They chose to do Dorne instead of the Riverlands. And by doing that, they, I think, were forced to keep on with the pairing. I think that was part of it. But the fact that they had him rape her, all these things. There's I mean, no, I take heart from at some Dorne, point, this will no be redone. Reason. At some point, they will redo it because they remake everything and it won't be them it'll be some other company and i can only hope that they actually know what the hell they're doing dust off our headsets load up our (laughs) skype it won't be there see you in 20 (laughs) (laughs) all right let's let's keep going uh this scene is kind of dull in my opinion but it's cersei meeting with the iron banker Tycho. He uh, commends her on her rule, and he's there to settle debts. They talk about Danny. Cersei asks how profits are now that the slave trade has been disrupted. <clears throat> she adds Lannister's the always city paid. of Bravos would be super involved in the slave trade. <laughs> <laughs> she adds Lannister's always pay their debts, Dragonstone. She asks for a fortnight, 14 days, and her debts will be paid in full. <laughs> Hey, some of us watch Wimbledon. We know that reference. <laughs> I'm hearkening back to our earlier episode. I'm like, what the hell's a Fortnite anyway? <laughs> I had no idea. Right. 
<clears throat> I don't know. I think she's in full Carol mode. It's like full force Carol she's in this so episode. She's so responsible and, and intelligent. This is not, I'm like, they killed Cersei too. And I'm kind of, I thought she was a fantastic character. And I really, I'm not here for Carol at all. No. no she's I mean, not even, I mean, I understand that she's all supposed to be covered up because she had the whole walk of shame. And I get that. I respect that. But what the hell are they thinking with those costumes? They are the ugliest things I've ever seen. <laughs> Does not flatter her at all. It looks awkward. It looks like the first um, X-Men movie when they're in those leather uh, their outfits like it just like couldn't move in them. <laughs> it's very stiff and uncomfortable. <laughs> well, and she's she's got that. It's not even it's distracting. It's distracting, what, and that's a problem with a costume, that, like mustard colored hair, and and then the the stark black and that silver does not go well with her complexion at all. Sorry, yeah. this has been fashion notes by comma again. <laughs> <laughs> So Tyrion finds... You know, she's not going to get a costume change this year. <laughs> just just throwing it out there. It's probably not going to happen. It's time to find your peace with it, comma. <laughs> For your own sake. <laughs> so Tyrion finds John being emo on the cliff he wanted to be emo on. John doesn't think Tyrion believes him about the White Walkers. Tyrion tells him he does, but the problem is too big for most people's minds. <laughs> kind of like adapting this series. <laughs> Um, Cersei's comfort um, to confront in comparison, he tells him. John tells him he'd like to leave. He's feeling stupid for coming. Tyrion points out that Danny has saved many from monsters, and he would do well to stick around and ask some of those people about how she's helped them. Tyrion asks if there's a reasonable request that he can help with, and of course it's the dragon glass. Tyrion makes the request, hoping it will pull John in and as, as an ally. And uh, Danny wants to know what Tyrion thinks of John's claim. Tyrion believes John. He tells her to just give him the glass. Keep him occupied while they focus on the task at hand, which is Casterly Rock. <clears throat> I kind of, a- I mean, I thought Tyrion, I mean, it's funny. Like, his dialogue at the start of it was funny, which was kind of a nice um, break from the Relief. horror of the prior scene. <laughs> from having the finger up the bum. Yeah. Well, they've given him something to do for the first time in like three years. So that's nice. I and kind of wish that... The, oh, go ahead, Kama, sorry. No, I mean, I think that's kind of the Tyrion that I liked, and that's kind of nice to see. I wish they would have given him the line about, um, you know, Danny being a rescuer and kind of, you know, going over, you know, she lost her, um, you know, about how she lost her her son and her husband and, you know, the, what she really is as a rescuer, because I think that actually would have resonated with John quite a bit, and it actually... Um, I mean, it's still in character for this version of her as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know, okay, in the following scene, we have John, and he's somehow allowed to speak with Danny privately. She tells him she isn't going to allow Cersei to stay on the Iron Throne, and she hasn't forgotten what kingdoms belong to that throne, and neither does John, he says. Um, she tells him she'll provide the resources for the mining of the dragon glass. He asks her if she believes him, and she's non-committal. I didn't, I don't know. Why, why did we have to have this scene? <laughs> it's real popular as a ship, and yes, they, yes, I think it's just fan service. I don't think they have any chemistry at all. I actually all. don't think, I mean, I don't, I don't hate, I don't feel like they're a chemistry void, like 
Jamie and Cersei are. It's just not that exciting. No. I I, I guess it's more like, I have to say, for the first time in I don't know how many years, I'm actually more invested in the whole Danny plot than I have been. Um, They're not bad scenes. I mean, I just... John needs someone with, I mean, you know, John needs someone with a little bit more, um, this is going to be ironic, with a little bit more fire <laughs> to bring, you know, to bring him oil for him. And Dan's never going to be someone to give someone shit, you know, like, John needs a woman that's going to give him some crap. Yeah. A redhead. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I really don't mean Sansa. Like, I actually don't want it all. I, I, I really lament his aunt and nephew, but, you know, that's just me. I mean, I I would ship Val with him at this point, so. Yeah, I'm I'm sad we didn't get a Val. I think, I think Sansa is way the hell out of John's league. Um, oh, she's super out of his league. <laughs> But if, if if I had to, I would much rather see a first cousin romance over the aunt and nephew. <laughs> good point, too. Very good point. <laughs> okay, so speaking of Sansa, um, she's up at Winterfell concerned with food stores. They have a year's worth. She wants more to, of the um, to be available for the armies that will be coming to Winterfell. Um, she orders all the grain to be delivered there. She also notes the armorer is making his breastplates wrong. Littlefinger tells her that command suits her. He also tells her that he knows Cersei better than anyone. Sansa shuts that nonsense down pretty fast. Thank God. <laughs> Inaccurately, though. What, what do you mean? She says, considering um, she murdered my father bro- and my brother, whatever, she lists all the people, brother and mother. Well, no, Joffrey murdered her father. Um, Bruce and Tywin and Walder oh. killed her mother and brother. Cersei wasn't involved in arguably any of those decisions. But like, yeah, she does know her way better than I think Peter does. Yeah, but she's the only one that's still alive, so. Yeah. yeah. She can I, be. I, I'm guessing she thinks the Lannisters did it and Cersei's a Lannister. Yeah. I think that's the association. It's a good point though, that you bring up because again, it's giving Cersei credit for something she really doesn't deserve credit for. Right. And that's the way they've been. Well, building I mean, she up. didn't want to kill Ned. Like she doesn't even get that kill on her record. Yeah. I mean, that that's was little that finger and everything up for everyone except for Peter and Joffrey. Everybody right. else lost out of that. Um, they have, they would not be in this war. That fucked everything up, but good. And then the business with Rob, I mean, I know Cersei wants to believe daddy's proud of her. Daddy is not proud of her. Daddy's in hell going, what the hell are you doing? But Get your finger out of your mother's nothing. ass. <laughs> That's exactly what daddy's saying. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. She had absolutely nothing to do with the Red Wedding. I mean, I'm sure she thought it was fantastic when it happened, but that wasn't her call at all. Now, Sansa, of course, may not know all of this, but. No, I mean, Carol is not, you know, Carol is no mastermind at all. She she's done absolutely nothing. Okay, and then we get Littlefinger telling her, you know, fight every battle everywhere in her mind. Always. Everyone is an enemy. Everyone is a friend. If she lives by that, nothing will ever surprise her. <laughs> so were they stoned when they wrote that? 
Is he training her to be the next Jedi or something? Little finger is <laughs> like so deep. Wax on, Sansa, wax on, wax on. <laughs> It's like these things sound, I think they think these things sound cool, but it's like, okay, there are words, but then you put them together and they don't make any sense. And he seems very extra to me this season. Like he does not seem like the diabolical mastermind at all. No, he is floating about, isn't he? Like it's like, like where's Robert? Where's Robin? Sweet Robin. I'm concerned. Yes. (laughs) I I don't know. He's still doing arrow practice in the veil somewhere. I wonder if he's wandering around um, the area kind of alone because everybody left him. Maybe he's chilling oh. with Ghost. I mean, we haven't seen Ghost either. Right? <laughs> he's there in they're in Gendry's boat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so a guard interrupts their um, conversation uh, to announce someone is at the gate. And then we have Bran and Mira. Bran says, hello, Sansa. She hugs him. And then we get this bizarre scene. And Sansa tells Bran um, he's Lord of Winterfell. And Bran responds, no, I'm the three-eyed raven. <laughs> oh. like, Bran, like, seems stoned as fuck in this yeah. scene. He's on the ma- magic mushrooms. <laughs> I have stone written down, too. <laughs> What happened? He wasn't like this the last time we saw him. Like, tapping one too many trees. I don't know what's going on with him. I wrote him once as a drug addict in a story, and now I'm feeling really (laughs) good about that decision. I was kind of just shocked that, like, um, he says it's too hard to explain the whole Three-Eyed Raven storyline. No, no, But it's so easy. It's a it's a it's a mystical position. Someone else held it before. I hold right. it now. You're but done. It's so easy for him to say, hey, I know that you were raped by Ramsey Snow, though. And then he's got to say, you look so beautiful. And, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I'm like, Bran, this is your sister. Why would you choose that memory to right. prove your power? Couldn't you use they were in the from gods. your Because it was the tree. It was the, like, the last the time that he saw her in the gods would. Yeah. But it felt like, you know, when you're talking to your mother, for example, and she starts talking about, like, five people that have cancer that you don't know who they are. That's what it felt like to me. The Three-Eyed Raven. Like, I have no idea, Mom, who the Three-Eyed Raven is. Who is the Three-Eyed Raven? Well, and then it turns into some story about six other people that you don't know. Cousin's brother married, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jackie, and, you know, don't you remember? Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, that's like one of my other siblings that went to school with that person who is like 15 years older than me. But even like, also, you're calling me by the cat's name. I don't think like <laughs> even like the former, you know, three-eyed raven. He didn't act like this. Like, why now do they choose to go with this direction with this character? It's so because they because yeah. I mean, Bran is someone that they have never ever 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 known how to write for. Well, and they have no interest in this mystical aspect of the story. This is true. I also wonder if it was like a directorial decision, like, and he's just, I don't know enough about this actor. I mean, I knew what he was like as a child, obviously. I don't know if he's gone on to do other things, but, or if they told him to play like, you know, you're just emotionally overwhelmed or you're plugged in elsewhere. And it just didn't come across. I mean, it came off like he was, um, 
I mean, I saw a lot of memes on Tumblr and stuff about Robot Bran, and that's pre- keeping with the whole Star Trek thing, which I thought was kind of cool. But it, it was just almost catatonic. Well, yeah. catatonic, I think, might have been an interesting choice, given you know that he would appear to be catatonic while he's like tied into the Weirwood network, you know. But yeah, it was just, yeah, it was weird. Anyway, so he creeps creep, creeps Sansa out, and she leaves him at the tree. <laughs> How does he get back, though? Like, there's no hoarder to, like, carry him around. Mira, anymore. poor Mira. Yeah, she yeah, she like, looks fucking exhausted. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wrote down, Mira must be so happy she does not have to pull that sled anymore. <laughs> I'd like to just point out that Mira is one of three characters to have killed a White Walker. Just, you know. That they might FYI. Want to is she just done now her mission's complete yeah, i think she's just done That's she'll bullshit. just go back home go pick an empty castle there's plenty to <laughs> all right oh. let's, go, let's go to the citadel uh the archmaester inspects jora's miraculous recovery from grayscale jora says it was rest and climate sam is told he needs to speak with the archmaester later and jora plans to head back to danny they shake hands and bid farewell hoping to cross paths again it was a nice scene. Nice little exchange. Yeah. Who would have thought yeah. that the cure to grayscale was to get rid of the grayscale? <laughs> yeah, that's stupid. Because <laughs> that would be the first thing someone would have tried. But is the yeah. ointments. The ointments helped. <laughs> oh. Right. Yeah. It's like Jory getting a new shirt. That should have come across. Because I'm pretty sure if someone who's worked with medical personnel, that there'd be some idiot surgeon going, yeah, let's just cut it off. They would have tried that like, <laughs> centuries ago. Trust idiot me. surgeon. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or dealt um, with and even if it's something that could be cured by taking some sort of, you know, relatively painless over the ca- or kind of med- medication, their solution is always operate. Trust me, this would have happened. Yeah. So I'm, the I'm just grateful that there wasn't anything disgusting that would ma- that made me want to like puke in this episode. Yeah. And I was <laughs> let down. <laughs> Which is actually what I said the next day to my friends who had not yet seen it. I'm like, oh, it's fine. You can eat during it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, unless you really care about Jamie, like yeah, us. Not so much. So. <laughs> so the Archmaester dresses down Sam a bit for his disobedience. Um, but because he succeeded, he will not be expelled. However, he will be punished by having to copy a pile of decaying scrolls and manuscripts. So, Gee, I, how convenient. Right. He's going to recopy a bunch of old-ass books and manuscripts. Gee, are they setting this up so that he finds more information that will end up being very important later on? Well, do you think it'll be on purpose or accidentally on purpose? Like, is the Grand Maester giving him stuff on purpose, or is this just going to be... Yeah. The Grand Maester no, is pissed as fuck that his freshman went off and almost killed them all by almost getting everybody infected. He doesn't care that the guy's cured. He's pissed. I've dealt with these people. Nobody's opened those <laughs> scrolls in hundreds of years yeah, no. either. Yeah. I mean, but he doesn't Rama's know them. absolutely right with the scar- sarcasm because that's exactly what I thought. Oh, I mean, have been warned about the flesh-eating mites. Right. And I mean, you know... This is kind of one of those telegraph things that I don't really mind. Like, yeah, we all know. Like, okay, fine. This, you know. At least it's a short Seems like normal. Well, it just seems like normal, like, storytelling, really. Okay, we'll give it a pass. (laughs) (laughs) 
So back in her war room, Danny wants to find Euron's ships and sink them. Tyrion thinks it's too dangerous for her to take uh, the dragons out. She asks about Casterly Rock, and Varys tells her the Unsullied will be there soon. Tyrion tells her the gates are impregnable. The sewers are not, or rather his whore cave isn't. <laughs> the Unsullied <laughs> attack Casterly Rock as Tyrion narrates, and they are victorious. However, the place is practically empty. Grey Worm looks out from the walls to see the sea below and he sees Euron ships destroying theirs you know two things a angry gray worm was super hot yeah, yeah. He, gotta give it to him you know if she would have fucking took out her dragons maybe she would have found the lannister army and the Greyjoy navy yeah like, you think. what the what a terrible use of yeah. her greatest weapon but what i want to know is how did Euron? Travel so fast. Well, how did how did John get from the north to Dragonstone so fast too? Because like he's on one side of Westeros and then boom, he's on the other. <laughs> Magic. No, <sighs> we're not supposed to. And you know, again, there there are very good, easy ways to accomplish this. You don't have to show them doing it. You just have to have a line of dialogue in there about months or something, and boom, you're done. Or, you know, oh, we know the Greyjoy, the Unsullied were delayed by storms. There you go. The The storms went on for three weeks. That would have been good. You don't need to show it. Don't tell me that's not possible. You just need to have a... And they did that. There's a... One of the first season apps, they they do that very effectively. It's just lazy. Can I just say I was very disappointed with Casterly Rock. That was not. Dude, me too. I was so disappointed. I was. I've been wanting to see Castle Rock and High Garden forever, yeah. and this is what we got. It was very Disney. It looked. Yes. Didn't like, you get that feel? Like it was yeah. sort of like Disney on yeah. steroids, but you know what? It was like um, a like a like seaside in, resort. And like the uh, the reference book for A Song of Ice and Fire, you get all those all these beautiful uh, drawings, and they all all the major house castles look very distinct like a very distinct style for each house mm-hmm. but these houses um all their castles are like they look kind of like the same they look nothing like i would have expected the house right like you think of like casterly rock it's craggly it's grandiose mm-hmm. it's you know like takes your breath away this was yeah like Kama said kind of like a theme park and then there's yes. then there's High yeah. Garden, and it wasn't beautiful. It was such a yeah. Good... Where are the gardens? I was where are the what? puppies and the barge and the ponies? And... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Can't you just CGI like do like get someone to paint that shit? Like, come on. Yeah, <laughs> let's go on to our next scene. Um... We say it with such enthusiasm. <laughs> well, so I our... think we're saying with about as much enthusiasm as it was filmed with. Yeah. Yes. So our next scene is of um, the bulk of the Lannister army. Um, uh, of note, Tarly is with them, marching on High Garden. Olana sits resigned as she waits for her fate. Jamie enters her chambers and pours some wine. Olana and Jamie talk shop a bit. Danny's army is um, stuck at the rock, forced to march across Westeros, and his army took High Garden. A lesson learned from Rob Stark at the Whispering Wood. He tells her his father always called him a slow learner. Olena wants to know how she'll be killed with Joffrey's sword. Olena admits she's done unspeakable things for her family. Nothing like Cersei, though. She calls her a monster. 
Jamie's like, ends justify the means. <laughs> Lana says, you love her. You really do love her. You poor fool. She'll be the end of you. And Jamie's like, waste of time discussing it with you. Well, Lana replies, why not? Won't leave this room. Or maybe it has, if she, or maybe, um, she's driven you this far. It's gone beyond your control. Jamie agrees it has. Alana calls Cersei a disease. She regrets her role in spreading it, tells him he will too, then asks again how she'll die. And Jamie says he talks Cersei out of some of the more gruesome deaths and said he puts poison in her wine and Alana gulps it down like a champ. Uh, she then recounts Joffrey's death. A shocking scene. Not at all what I intended. Tell Cersei I want her to know it was me. And then Jamie leaves. One final punch before she goes out. I have two things. First thing is, it would have been nice to, I don't know, throw some fake blood on him or something. I, you know, I, I, I know we've gotten these deserted castles and supposedly what, she's the only one in there, but I can't believe they didn't put up some kind of fight. And the second thing is, I think they missed an opportunity here. They should have had, it was a good, I mean, it's her Emmy reel. I mean, let's be honest, but, um, it would have been kind of awesome for her to be saying all this stuff and him like, look, I'm taking you back. And, you know, it, I promise it won't be too horribly painful. And then for her to just pull out the poison and go, sorry, and then conk over. I would have loved well, that. No, I mean, it, well, I would have it hated been very it even Roman. more because as bad as it is for Jamie to kill an 80 year old woman because Cersei wants him to. It would be doubly bad for him to drag her ass back to King's Landing to God knows what. No, but that's not Jamie. So well, I, I'm saying whatever remnants of the character of, of Jamie exist, like this scene, at least this scene actually that. worse than the Cersei scene in terms of him as a character, like not giving a shit about Cersei killing a bunch of people and you know, not recognizing her mad, like, she might, I, I kind of wish she would have just, fought. I mean, again, I wish that Garland and Willis would have repaired and killed him, because the writers <laughs> could not kill him any more than, than Garland and, and uh, Willis could at this point. It was horrific. Like, it's a great scene for Olena, but it's a horrible scene for the person that they want to call Jamie. Well, it's, and there's again, no resemblance to... Jamie Lannister. They don't write in terms of a larger narrative. They write for a scene. They write for shock. They write for a fact. They don't think the things through and it shows. And it's just, this is the culmination of it. They wanted Olena to have a cool zinger before she died. Like legitimately, well, that is the only reason for yeah, this scene. Yeah, you're absolutely it's, right. It's Diana Rigg and you hire Diana Rigg and you're going to get your, and she's a fan favorite and you know, she's probably, you know, she's a working actor. She's going to do whatever. I mean, and she, it was well acted on her part. I thought she was good. I just, eh. you ever notice too, whenever they want to build up, um, or give a character a great moment. It's always to the detriment of Jamie Lannister. Yeah. From season one on, every single time, every single opportunity to make Jamie seem lesser, to make him seem stupid, to make him seem less accomplished, to make him seem overrated, they always, always have taken it. It's like they're getting out all of the times that they were bullied by the cool kids in high school with the character of Jamie Lannister. 
that's what it feels like to me. And to have Jamie Lannister saying this after seven seasons when, you know, the Jamie Lannister I know is mopping shit up in the Riverlands in, mm-hmm. you know, the most honorable way possible. Burning letters and... <laughs> well, and just, you know, think about the way he treats Titus Blackwood. Think about that interaction. And then put yeah. that character here. What does that character do? You know, I think that character is like, you can take the poison or you can say you did. You know, or it's this blind allegiance to Cersei. I mean, simply does not exist when this character in A Dance of Dra- with Dragons, before he goes off with Brienne, is thinking about how he's going to go back to King's Landing and take the regency from her if she's I mean, still alive. Which, you know, shrug, she may or may not be. The fact that he was okay with her committing mass murder. Right. Is I mean, by the same method that he gave his honor, you know, everything that he was to prevent. It's and there's, so there's, fucking yeah. appalling. Yeah. Like it does, like it doesn't even matter. Like there's such a long, they're, they're making his entire, they're making his entire character be Cersei equals Jamie is bad. Brienne equals Jamie is good. And there's nothing in that arc about Jamie. There's no agency he for is. Jamie. Yeah. Right. He, I mean, you talk about Sansa having no agency ad nauseum. Jamie, I mean, there's a character with not a single ounce of agency. Right. And it's just. Heartbreaking. Ugh. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because it's the best fucking character arc in the goddamn series, and this is what they chose to do with it. You yeah. threw away that kind of a gift. You know, you don't deserve this. Like, you don't deserve this character. You don't deserve this series. You do not deserve this, and I hate you. Like, <laughs> I really, I really, really, really hate them. I can't think of a better way to end this one on. So let's do the mailbag. Oh gosh, we have a lot of mail tonight. So let's get on with it, okay? Yeah. First one's from Chicky and it says last week's app was so tasty, guys. I'm glad Devin was there to be the Arya stand I needed to talk about that Nymeria scene. I was also especially proud of the outrage at the destruction of Valerian the Dread Skull. This is why our podcast is the greatest. Yes, <laughs> Kyle, I'm sorry the anti-dragon gun is real. Keep up the good work, kids. I love you all and miss you, even if we talk on Skype every day. Well, Actually, you're welcome about to the anti-dragon gun gun. Like that, you know, that's something that I think is kind of fun and stupid. Like, give it to me. Hijinks, give it to us. <laughs> right, like give me some fucking hijinks if you're going to make me miserable with everything else. Yeah, and you're welcome to come on anytime, Chicky. Just, you know, of put course. that out there. Come on, Chicky. <laughs> yeah. All right. No need so to miss next... us. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Ah, let's see. OxTiki269XO on Podbean says, Absolutely adore this podcast and its lovely panel. Your wit and humor always brightens my day. I'm a longtime listener and have finally caught up in real time. The Catlin chapters were great. It's fascinating to explore the nuances of her short but meaty chapters. I have no shame in saying I'm a Stoneheart fan. Also, <laughs> no it's shame. liberating. Yeah. Also, it's liberating to hear you folks air your frustrations about how incredibly fucking slow Winds is making its way into the world. 
<laughs> I was late to the JB ship, but I'm now completely on board. When you sorry. announced it. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say welcome, but you know, sorry uh, too. <laughs> when you announced the Tyrion chapters, I wooed with yep. joy in a That's- park, walking by myself, listening to your podcast, and didn't care at all how many weird looks I got. <laughs> looking forward to more podcasts, even if they are for Game of Thrones. Also, congrats, Lot, <laughs> on the birth of your new baby. Aww. Totally not surprised you came back for the gore of the Red Wedding. Aww. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was a great message. Had everything. Mm. I, I especially love it when people tell us where or when they listen or things that happen while they're listening to this podcast. Right. Uh, gives me a little bit of joy. Thank you. All right. From We got an email from Jake. And Jake says, hi there. I've been enjoying listening to your discussions of the new season even if I'm not watching all of it, given the amount of time you guys have spent sipping on D&D Haterade <laughs> over the course of this podcast, I was curious to get your take on their newly announced project that will oh, follow God. up Game oh, of Thrones. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I forgot this one came in. Oh, gosh. Apparently, the reason they have been rushing to finish the show is to create their own series from an, or- an original concept, Confederate their next project will take place in an alternate timeline in the present day where slavery was never abolished. If given these two white guys deft handling of identity politics, <laughs> after all, who could forget the time they ended a season with a bunch of brown people lifting up Amelia Clark and calling her mommy or that episode where they <laughs> accidentally filmed a rape scene. We can only imagine what's in store for us here. I for one can't wait. My question is, will this thing tank their careers or make a bazillion dollars? I can't contrive. I can't imagine of a concept any more than this that I would never, ever want to watch. Especially by these two dim... Exactly. This isn't an original concept. I mean, wasn't there like this mockumentary on Netflix? Well, and there's, you know, the man from High Castle. Yeah, that's I mean, historical what ifs are pretty common. And I mean, frankly, it's a genre. Like, I actually love historical what ifs, but I like it from the point of, um, the point of the change and then, like, the logical moving forward from there, like, rather than skipping ahead 50 years. Like, I want to know what happens next when you do the change. So this wouldn't interest me that much, but I mean, honestly, I'll never watch anything. And aren't that we already have anything to do with? Like, aren't we already living in a dystopian present? Like, why do we need this right and, now? And also, weren't there? I, I'm bad because I don't have a cable signal, so I'm always behind on everything. But I, I seem to recall when this was announced, a couple of people who had shows that, like, there was someone who had a Civil War show that got canceled. They had. Like people, they're people of color who've apparently been doing this kind of thing with sensitivity and taste and not, maybe not this exact concept, but you know, those did not get green lighted and these fuckers are going to be able to do well, their show. I mean, they're going to get green lighted for anything they want to on HBO. Yeah, it's true. I'm not going to watch. I don't think I'll ever consciously or Maybe if someone well, drags me physically and ties a, me I, down, watch anything they do ever again. Yeah, I won't. Uh, there was a show I haven't seen it called Underground, and it got a really that's the one great that got reviews, and it got canned. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. 
I don't know. It's like I don't know that people want to see it. You know, just doesn't seem the time. Like, give us, you know, maybe we want an alternative universe that's a little bit more alternative. Yeah, no. (sighs) All right. Um, Tumblr post from Rule 63 says, I saw a quote from Rob Bowman. It's an emotional response to the overwhelming respect they have for one another, where you transcend logic and things become more visceral and human. The only place for him to go in my mind to express his next thought is to kiss her. He's actually talking about Mulder and Scully and the kiss they filmed and never aired, but tell me you didn't think of Jamie and Brienne. Why are you doing this to us? <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> like, my emotions are so, like, I'm so afraid right now. <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 it's a beautiful, I, I, I like it. I think it's it's a beautiful thought. I'm just, yeah, we're kind of raw, I guess. They, they well, I'm not them. even raw. I'm just sort of like, like I said, I was here. I mean, I was I was posting vitriol, like, a couple seasons ago, and now it's like, So oh, you were yeah. against Game of Thrones before it was cool? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you're a, you're a hipster hater. Like, <laughs> of course, it's sort of like how I feel like now with politics. Of course they did that. Of course that's who they hire. All that stuff. It's just sort of like expected. When they don't fall down, it's a pleasant surprise. <sighs> Sorry, you'll get there. <laughs> some accolades right there. <laughs> uh, let's see. We got some Facebook comments from Vanessa. You're right. D&D really hate Jamie. They have finished emasculating him. Shame, shame, shame. Agreed. Shame. <laughs> yeah. Shame. Got one from Got one from Donkey Leg and um he says that was the best episode since season Donkey 4. Leg. Do you guys agree? <laughs> wow. <laughs> from Niche says hi all. There's a new verb in town. You're a nation. It's everything that Euron does. Episode one, Euron urinates all over the throne room. Episode two, urination all over the deck. Episode three, I'm urinating on a horse. So please take it for a spin. Lots of love, Nish. <laughs> love it. Yeah, I really love I that. I have to wonder at a series where they had to rename Asha Yara because of like Canadian oh, with and then they kept a guy who everyone is calling Euron or Urine. I mean, Urin. that's just... <laughs> so I haven't even been able to make myself watch Game of Thrones this week, which kind of breaks my heart. But I, I just don't think I can do it. But they, you know, they call Tyrion Munch Munch, which is always crazy. <laughs> Like, that completely cracks me up, but they call Euron Jared let himself go. <laughs> That's great. That's all you think of. <sighs> Is that it? Is there Darling of the Westerlands, we have two more. Okay. And that's it, I promise. <laughs> From good. Darling of the Westerlands, um, she says, Hello, ladies. If this is the season that we believe Lannisterth might just be happening, or at least taking a leap forward in that direction. What do you think is going to be Jamie's put this in the fire moment, given the fact that he is the captain of the Xerxes Protection Squad, despite Tommen's death, her blowing up the sept, general torture and entertaining Euron's advances? What is going to cause that break between them? Wild, uh. collection, spe- wild speculation, hugely appreciated. All my love, darling. 
because she's mean to John and Danny. <laughs> That'll be the straw right there. I don't know. I, 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 like, how, what could it possibly be? Like, what? Like, she's done everything, but he's still he's, there. He's never brought up yeah. for infidelity ever. Yeah. Ever. Maybe, I, mean, I don't know. She could be fucking was... Euron while snorting Tywin's ashes up her nose. Like, <laughs> Euron's going to urinate all over Cersei. <laughs> oh, God. That's a visual right there. Thanks. That's what it will take. <laughs> but, I mean, the fact that she committed mass murder, her force, it, well, didn't force, but, like, put her son in a position where he killed himself, their son in a position. Manipulated I mean, the trial to things, kill his brother. If those things didn't, like, do it, I don't know where you can go. Is I mean, I'm sure they're going to. I, I suspect that's going to come. It's just not what I wanted. I want it a certain way, the logical way, and I've gotten the stupidity. Yeah, I went from, like, it's happening, it's happening, to, like, I really don't care if it happens. <laughs> All right. Hmm. All right I, I need to, like, stretch my, my neck and my shoulders out for this <laughs> next one and Uh-oh. loosen up a little. <laughs> this is from Chicky, okay? And it's all in capital letters, pretty much. So she says, I have another comment to be read in a double D I T I O N to my first message, please. Fuck this fucking show. Fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. This goddamn fucking dumpster fire of a fucking <laughs> shit show. I love the podcast. Big fan. So glad I'm not on this season. Also, fuck this fucking fuck fest of a fucking show. Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck this show. Oh, uh, I feel so good. Wow. <laughs> yeah, have, pretty much. Oh my gosh. I you know, some, uh, some, what's uh, funny is that um, when Guile messaged me on Tumblr confirming <laughs> that I was going to be here tonight, I expressed my enthusiasm. I was like, I think I picked Good episode. <laughs> yeah, lots of action. I like, yeah, I was like, I'm, we're gonna see, we're gonna see Casterly Rock. Yeah. You poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for showing up and not coming up with a lame excuse. I was, you know, running a few through my head to get out of this one. <laughs> Chicky right. needs to Google John Goodman and Treme saying uh, "fuck you," and I think she'll find. Yeah. A very nice clip that would express what she feels perfectly. I think it was a good way to end. I like that you picked that for our last message, Eon. So thank you, everybody, yeah. been, including Chicky, for sending those in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we love getting your mail and your messages and your questions and you telling us where, you, where you're listening to this podcast. Um, you can send us those messages at close the door and at gmail.com, close the door and come here.tumblr.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Door Podcast. Please subscribe, like, review um, this podcast uh, wherever you may listen. Um, please support us on Patreon. It goes a long way um, to help supporting this podcast. Thank you, Jamas, for, again, you know, not making up an excuse and actually being here tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah, I enjoy talking with you guys. Well, <laughs> likewise. and The show, you. not so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, ladies, for podcasting. I hope you your Thanks week goes a little better. Um, <laughs> closing the door. Get out. <laughs>